if any steam was slowing after a year after Letterman, the half hour definitely like ramped it back up, mm-hmm. and it was another pretty good year of uh, doing that. And then I did the hour on CISO, right? And it was like it it, it turned into the biggest dry spell I've ever had. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, I just did an hour, and you're thinking like, I'm gonna hit theater level. I have an hour special. Like that's what happens. And I did it with with Comedy Dynamics, which is a production company that just pays to make it, and then they try to sell it. And I'm right. like, all right, so let's get this thing sold to Netflix, or let's get it sold to Comedy Central, or whatever. And then it got sold to CISO, and just nobody saw it. And I had pretty much just moved to LA a year before. And I think my agent left agents and I was like agentless for like about a year also. And it was just, it's actually really scary. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. If you're in the D.C. area this week, we got D.C.'s Best Showcase on Thursday at 8 o'clock at Big Hunt. And then Caleb Sinan from Comedy Central will be headlining Big Hunt all weekend. You can get tickets and info on the website. Our guest today is Adam Newman. Adam is a Los Angeles-based comedian who has appeared on CBS, HBO, and Comedy Central and has an hour special called Fuzzies that is available on Amazon. In this episode, he talks about how he was able to hit all of the early markers of stand-up success and how he has had to change his approach as the entertainment landscape has shifted. I was actually in Athens, Georgia. There were some people putting signs around saying they wanted to have a sketch comedy group. I don't know if you ever heard. There was a duo, a guy-girl musical comedy duo called Cars Can Be Blue. Mm. They used to tour around a little bit, and then they moved to Athens, and they wanted to put a sketch group together, and I I was was kicking around the idea of trying stand-up, and um, so I met with them and basically was like, can I do stand-up in between your sketches? And they were like, you can, but you also have to be in the sketch group. So I kind of... Oh, really? That's interesting. You, you, You went a route where you were performing on your own, really. Like even as stand-up, you perform on your own, but yeah. a lot of times it's in the context of a show with other stand-ups, but you started just all by yourself. I didn't know anyone who did stand-up, yeah. and I didn't know... It's silly, too, because I played music before I did comedy, and so uh-huh. and I knew what open mics were for... For music. Uh, for music, but I did not put together that you do open mics for stand-up. So I did a show with them... Uh, this actually is not the first time I, I joined them and we would have like our little rehearsals and little pitch meetings to mm-hmm. do sketches. And in between, I was like, I'm just going to do stand up. And so I played in a, a band at the time. And so I was like, well, I guess I, I don't, I guess I'll just call one of the dive bars that my band plays in and I'll do stand up. And yeah. so like, I literally called this dive bar, said my band was going to play and, uh, because I didn't want to pitch myself as a stand-up, but yeah. I didn't even. I told my bandmates I was like, I'm just going to try to do this stand-up thing, and I went and I did. Uh, I, I we they, the bar promoted it like my band was playing. I had never. I didn't know about open mics for comedy. I didn't know how long I was supposed to do, but I was like, it's. I was like, I've seen hour specials and I've seen half hour specials, so let's split the difference. And I did 45 <laughs> minutes of stand-up, the first time I ever did. That's funny. Uh, comedy, which is basically like the set, the amount of time a bit my like little indie band would have played. Right. And about 40 people came to see and my. Close to the amount of time you do now. Yeah, it's seriously, it's the amount of time I do now, and it takes a long time to de- at this point. It takes a long time to develop right. 45 minutes of material, but at the time I borrowed a 
projector and a, and a screen, and oh. I made little videos on my computer Smart. of like really horrible stuff. Like I think I like I did a. This is in the. I, I took a. I took the part from the Passion of the Christ where they put him up on the cross, and like I edited in it's like circus music and fart noises and stuff. This is in at the in Georgia too. This is like the deep south. And how'd that go? Not great. Uh, okay. People were throwing like PBR tall boys at me and stuff. Really? I'm, yeah, I did a slideshow of. Uh, I mean, I'd seen, I think I'd seen like Dimitri Martin yeah. special do like visuals. So I was so like, this I'll like do like visuals. Two thousands. This was two thousand six. Yeah. This would been July first, two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. So I did a slideshow videos. Uh, I loved David Cross, so I would do like yeah, long the- drinking stories, and then I loved all the one-liner comedians like Galifianakis and Stephen Wright and and uh, Dimitri Martin and everybody. So I was doing one-liner. I literally I broke it up into sections. I was yeah. like, here's the one-liners, here's the stories, here's the slideshow, here's some videos, and I did 45 minutes, and it was t- it was very bad. It was none of it none of it was usable ever again. And after that show. Uh, this dude, I don't know if he, Jared Harris is a comedian. He's he's kind of bumped around L.A. too and toured around a lot, but he's from Atlanta. He was there and he was like, they do an open mic here and you do like five minutes and you work on material. And that was and I was like, oh, that's how you're supposed to start. <laughs> yeah. And then that sketch group in Athens. And we did we literally I think I did six shows slash open mics from july 1st to august 1st and august 2nd i already moved to new york it was like one oh wow month. i literally was like oh i don't there's not enough here i need to Were go you to new done york. with college already i was a year out of college yeah okay and you went to new york with the idea like how long were you doing stand-up when you moved to new york one month <laughs> and i was like i'm ready i've developed i'm ready and uh <laughs> I went and uh, so I went to University of Georgia and I was post. This is like more MySpace days. So I posted on MySpace like I'm moving to New York. I need help with a job and roommate situation and a friend, a mutual uh, someone who also went to Georgia, who's a couple years older than me, moved to New York, was like, I have a buddy looking for a roommate and another friend basically could help me get this like part time advertising research kind of sixteen dollars an hour job yeah. or whatever and so the the two people i ended up living with also went to georgia but were a couple years older than me one of them was like a video editor who was super involved with like this like underground like you know uh new york video comedy stuff um mm-hmm. channel 101 and stuff like that and uh the other guy was just like he was doing a lot of improv a little bit of stand-up and was kind of taking ucb classes and doing characters and they ended up instantly being like two of my best friends they're still good friends i was like literally in the wedding party of one of them a few weeks ago and um we did characters together for a long time he got me involved in like ucb uh, uh improv stuff he still directs and makes and writes videos and the other guy is uh doing graphics and animation and all that stuff for he did like you know all the adult swim frisky yeah. dingo archer uh, C Lab. Now I think he works for Samantha B doing graphics and stuff. So everybody still ended up doing all that, uh, that comedy stuff around that time. That was that was like kind of when there was a real division between alt comedy and yeah. club comedy. Yeah, invite them up was huge. Right. When I was in college, uh, I literally drove from in my pickup truck to from Athens to uh, to New York to see the invite them up like CD release show in like 2005. That was at Eugene Merman. Yep. Yep. I have pictures from when I was like 22, just like with Eugene Merman and Demetri Martin and Michael Showalter. And I'm just like, I got to like meet all of them and it was great. And then I had that album and it was like, that was really 
one of the first things where I realized that there were really funny people mm-hmm. who had jokes that were just as enjoyable to me as the ones that were on TV or For sure. in specials that I had never heard of people yeah. that are completely anonymous. Aziz Ansari's like probably like 19 on that album. And or... he sounds like Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, he does. I remember hearing that. And I remember being like this guy. Yeah, he he's a complete... Although he's not doing one-liners, he's still doing stories, but he's got the cadence. He's got of, a cadence, of Mitch yeah. Hedberg. He sure does. And then does. he kind of it just he you know he grew out of it. It just he, you know yeah. It, and it's such a like it, it's a really perfect thing because everybody starts off kind of copying a little bit when you're in your first especially style wise. I had Eugene Merman cadence when yeah. I started. I had Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, I was a straight Mitch Hedberg when I started. Yeah, but it's natural. And you just kind of lose it over time as you yeah. as you write new jokes, you get more comfortable and you, you just start to, you know, have your own voice. And Aziz, perfect example of someone who started out that way. Yeah. No one's saying Aziz Ansari is a Mitch Hedberg ripoff now. No, There's because no it's way. just that's just what happens early on. And yeah. it's and then you can still turn into a very who do you see the successful. most now because back then it was Hedberg and then I see I see a Berbiglia every now and again oh yeah there was a while I mean there was a while when there was tons of Berbiglias there's tons of Patton Oswalt yeah yeah it, then there's tons of Louis yeah uh I mean we have a little bit of a problem in DC because like Rory's like a big deal here I've seen I've seen people doing the Rory thing and you're like man it is <laughs> yeah it's it's just so glaring when you see it. Yeah, especially if you really have watched a lot of Rory and yeah. you see someone do it, it's like very. But I don't think audiences have no idea. That's probably so true. Yeah. So they get away with it, but yeah. So I think that that's like something I see here. I don't really know if there's somebody right now that's huge that people are. I mean, you. I would imagine maybe people be like Burr. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah. really seeing a too much. No. Um. Man, that's funny that you said Rory because I think I see I see people going up there thinking they can even if they don't sound exactly like Rory. You're like ah, you think you can go up there and just and improvise. have that attitude yeah. of like you yeah. know walk around and and just kind of talk talk off the top of your head yeah. and it's going to be amazing. But again, occasionally you do, I, I do see the ripoffs, but actually I, I still I still do a lot of like the little bar shows and even hit open mics in L.A. when I want to work on stuff and um it's it's actually there's a million different crazy unique styles that are popping up yeah it's i think it's pretty good for the most part so it took you like i don't know like four years or something in new york to like work your way up and then get jfl was that like your first big break no i got a few things before jfl i got about I, i i lucked into a job maybe about a year into living in new york um, I was taking UCB classes and somebody forwarded an email around being like they need extras for this college humor video. And so I went to go be an extra. I was like, I went to go be an extra for like $25 for like a half day, yeah. like Domino's pizza for lunch and stuff. You know, like it wasn't. A, but I, I hit it off with um, the person who was doing all the casting for the videos. <clears throat> and she started casting me regularly as like just as an actor in college humor videos and i had taken like a ucb intro class so i was i was kind of that was that was my that's that's the extent of my like acting training was yeah, ucb yeah, improv yeah. classes and college humor videos but i did well enough that they kept 
bringing me back. And for about a year, I was a regular actor for College Humor. And then we got an MTV show picked up for like a short six episode season. And they were like, we need to hire people. Just hire people you like. When and you so say we got a show picked up, who do you College mean? Humor had okay, a show on okay, MTV okay. called The College yeah, Humor yeah. Show. I okay. say we, but it was the editorial staff at the time is the people that wrote it. I was just an actor in the videos. But okay. they got a TV show. So they were like, "Just we need to hire people just for help with. Because basically the normal production team for making the videos was going to have to make the TV show. So we need more production. Yeah, people. right. So, I got hired more as like a general production help, production yeah, coordinator, right. whatever, and um, uh, that. Le- and then I was working at College Humor for a long time. I, not a lot. Uh, I ended up working there for about four years full time. Pretty long. Yeah, but they had a they had a live show they started while I was there, just College Humor Live. It was at UCB, and they would film them like as high quality as web videos were at that point, like three cameras edited. It looked like a live at Gotham or something. Yeah. And so I beg, I, you know, I was doing stand up and like after begging them for like a year, they finally let me do it. And it just so happened that the people, some of the people that booked the comedy central stand up were in the audience and they saw me. And this is about four years into stand up, and they had me audition the first year Comedy Central did their like comics to watch, which yeah. is like the new faces of the New York Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. And so I got Comedy Central comics to watch, which led to a year or so later my first Comedy Central, like John Oliver's New York TV show. And then I booked, and then I found out I got JFL about a few days after I found out I got Letterman. So I basically oh, got wow. all that like in a pretty short time frame is that when you got a manager and agent i had a manager and a i had a manager a, and agent a little before that i remember okay. i remember being backstage at uh the john oliver thing and i had a i had an agent and manager at that point who um at that point you're, you're not really working like on a daily basis with them it was kind of like we're casually right, right. working together but at, and then it solidified after that. They kind of like giving you general guidance, kind of waiting to see if you're yeah. going to get, you got to get big enough for them to be able to do something yeah. with you. At that point, it was like you get an occasional email with like a writing packet or mm-hmm. uh, do you want to submit to this or send me a tape and we'll send it to the Conan people or whatever. And when you're doing that stuff, you're you're doing Letterman and the College Humor stuff. You're still, I would imagine not in the John Oliver, not headline you're not headlining clubs yet are you no i got i got a couple i think after oliver i got a very a couple like my first couple headlining gigs and um they were legit clubs they weren't i wasn't like going around headlining a rooms i think my first ever full weekend headlining was um they had a catch a rising star in Providence, Rhode Island. I think it was like a casino, mm-hmm. which is not the best first gig because they're generally tougher yeah, yeah. rooms. And I was really stretching to do forty five minutes, um, but I had a few gigs like that. And then Letterman was instant headlining weekends, wow, which is hilarious because it's a, still a five minute set. It, it, and it, and now it, it it's not that at all. It's not that. No, I don't know. I don't know any other thing. I, I mean, the Tonight Show would maybe be the most, but you're. It'd you're, be the most, but it's not. Yeah, I did Letterman and my agent, b- literally before I even did the spot. Like in between the time I booked it and the time I did the spot, I think he got me like five headlining weekends on the road. Wow. And and uh, and then literally like about a year after that, I got the Comedy Central half hour, and that just extended. To where I every I wasn't featuring anymore. I was just headlining at that point. And uh, were you able to 
were you doing comedy full time or were you still doing the day job? I, I stayed at College Humor until comedy got busy enough that I felt comfortable leaving. But that's kind of like a the College Humor job. Is kind, it's kind of a comedy. It job. was because the thing about College Humor was it was I kind of came in as like a general production help. Yeah. And then if you do, the thing about college and college Uber just went like yeah, basically just stopped like a few weeks ago so it's it's kind of a, a weird thing but it lasted an insanely a, a long time for a, a website like that but um uh if you got your job your your job that you're specifically hired for done which you if you're you know you get done then if you wanted to write scripts and submit them if you wanted to sit on them uh, sit in on the writers in the writing room and, and pitch ideas it was very it, they let you do all that stuff mm-hmm. so i got to do I got that was the first time I was like regularly in a writer's room. I got to pitch my own ideas. I got to act in videos. I got to learn things from the production end. And then I actually ended up becoming the casting director for a couple of years <laughs> because at some point they were like, what really is your skill set? Like, you're not a production guy. And I, they were basically my skill was I uh, I was very active performing comedy and I was very active in the stand up and improv scene. So I knew everybody. I right. knew all the I knew all the comedians and I knew all the up and coming people who were funny. So um, when I, I, I would just hold these general auditions or hold. Uh, yeah. I, I, Do you think that great. that experience helped you understand the way that side of the business works? Yeah. College humor. The only difference is college humor. Everything was very in-house so it was its own but mm-hmm. it was it was almost like working at a tiny little yeah uh production studio or all i mean everything like uh, right so yeah i learned i would sit in uh with the post people when they were editing and adding music literally i play guitar so sometimes they would be like we need a we're doing a parody of this commercial and the music sounds like this can you play guitar like this and i would sit there and i would play like a yeah. i would like make i would make i would write the i would, I would you know improvise some music that would be the I, yeah i did everything everything from post stuff pre-production stuff casting stuff editing uh you know literally standing next to the director while he's directing um yeah i learned a lot and then how long was it until you got a half hour um it was about a year after letterman i think it, i think that was the first the year i did letterman was the year i first I, I submitted for it and i got it my second year i submitted for it so just made a tape at a i think i made a tape at acme in minneapolis mm-hmm. which is just did like, that help your booking that continued it like yeah. if, if any steam was slowing after a year after letterman the half hour definitely like ramped it back up mm-hmm. and it was another pretty good year of uh doing that and then i did the hour on CISO, right and it was like it it, it turned into the biggest dry spell i've ever had yeah <laughs> and i was like i just did an hour and you're thinking like I'm going to do an hour like this is going to and I did it with with comedy dynamics, which is a production company that just pays to do it uh, to make it and they give you an advance and then they try to sell it. And I'm right. like, all right, so let's get this thing sold to Netflix or let's get it sold to Comedy Central or whatever. And then it got sold to CISO and just nobody saw it. And CISO was was that uh, it NBC. was owned by NBC yeah. and it was like a web only yeah, and it was like three dollars a month, but they didn't. Their their problem, I think, was that they they just didn't have like a big flagship show right. that was worth people paying extra yeah, the, for. The like the subscription online model like wasn't figured out completely yeah. yet. It was just Netflix at that point. They should have made it. It was since it was under NBC, they should have they should have made it free for a year or included with something. It just. It, I think it's hard for those those older companies like NBC. Yeah. And Viacom too. When you when they're trying to do the digital stuff, it's uh, it takes a few tries. Yeah, 
so anyway, but to to then, you know, last last week, uh, Noah Garden Swartz. Do you know Noah at all? I, yeah, I love him. We're both. Uh, he's one year exactly younger than me. Two Jews born on Christmas Day. Oh really? Yeah, and then Solomon Giorgio, not a Jew. He's a year older than us, and he's uh, born on Christmas as well. A lot of a lot of Christmas B days and yeah, comedy. that must fuck you up being born on Christmas, and dude. And turn you into a comic. I I I, I have a theory <laughs> that has something to do with everybody gets their one day to be like today's about me. Yeah, and uh, I do not, and so I've just overcompensated that and making every that, day. Yeah, about you. everything's about me. So there's there's something something to that maybe. Yeah, so Noah ha- had a situation where he sold a show, mm-hmm. you know, with with Clayton, and then uh, oh, a sports it, show, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, a I sports, a sports like a uh, sports comedy trivia type of uh, show for for True TV, and then that they th- those companies were merged or whatever, and then they just got rid of it right in the middle of it before yeah. they even started making it. So, I mean, it's just it's part of the job, right? You're you're in this industry where that's like it's big business and things fall apart and you really rely on the momentum of your career yeah to go from one step to the next for people to think because everyone's looking to see who who's going to make it like who is going to be taking the next step and who do you want to have who's on the verge of of uh yeah and we want to be a part of it yeah or we exactly. want to be the person to you break don't get or, left out yeah and then you also don't want to be latched on to people that are you know it's hopeless and they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to break out and so you're looking for these signs and then when you have something like that especially when it takes a lot of time to do you know you're you're working on an hour for a long time or Mm -hmm. you're working on a tv show for a long time you're not doing other things you're not visible yeah and then if that thing doesn't fully come out yeah it makes it seem like you're not doing anything i know you can't be working it sucks because and all these things should take all of your focus i'm working on a tv show yeah you know what i mean like like it's how much you're not gonna find anything more competitive than everyone trying to sell a tv show but at the same time we're supposed to be hitting things from all angles i'm supposed to be working on a tv show a podcast doing stand-up uh what you know there's a million things i'm supposed to be doing but on if you if i want to if if you think a TV show is going to get put on the air, I'm like, I need to be putting 100 percent. Yeah, effort because into that's that your for biggest it to be chance. good enough. Yeah, yeah. Because it, if the TV show is a success, your career is made for a, a decent chunk of time. That's the thing, and that's that's what kills me is that stand up is my favorite thing, and it's the most immediate thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I just want to keep working on material and keep doing that. But I know in the back of my head that if I focus more on selling a TV show, when the TV show takes off, well then. Stand, the stand-up booking is easier like it's Much easier, automatically yeah. easier to book easier to get more people out more money like everything about it is is uh is in a better place but yeah that, we just gotta keep we gotta find ways to motivate myself to work on the thing that's the that's the long game i think that everybody because stand-up is fun and very satisfying yeah and it's uh you know you you can do you can do it in like little chunks whereas like we're trying to sell a tv show and make a tv show it takes forever yeah we're trying to build up a following or start a podcast takes forever yeah stand up you can you can like it, it happens you can see the progress much faster it's like much more immediate and i feel like everybody they just their first choice is like well if i could just be good at stand up and succeed based on being good at stand up that's my first choice yeah second choice is well i guess i'll try to make a show yeah and then third choice is like, I can't, you know, I'm not being, I haven't been able to sell anything and I can only get booked in certain places because I'm not famous. So now 
now I have to build my own fan base. And that's where a lot of these uh, podcasts that have exploded mm-hmm. are coming from. And a lot of these specific web videos, no budget web videos are coming yeah. from. And there's totally ways around the, I mean, yeah, there's just a million ways to get a fan base now. Um, I don't know. I'm posting those meme stand up videos. I'm doing my little podcast. It's like, hope uh, working as hard as I can on all of them. And you hope, you hope one of them just connects with a, with a, with a loyal audience. So you did that hour, you did the hour for comedy yeah. dynamics and it was on, was it on CISO yeah. briefly before? They sold it to CISO mm-hmm. and then when CISO folded pretty soon after it went to Amazon. So it is on, and it is easy to find. It's actually easier to find now than it was. And before. how does it work? Do they give you a set amount of money or is it based on how many people buy it? Yeah, no, they give you. So when you make the deal to just shoot it, you get an advance. They, mm-hmm. They're like, we're going to give you. It's probably different for everybody. Sure, but yeah. they're like, we're going to give you this much money. Right. And then, I mean, for me, it was like, and then you have whatever percentage of back end. So mm-hmm. like if it ends up after their costs are covered yes um i'll tell you i didn't see anything after i saw the advance right and uh you you have like the right to audit them to be like did you make any and i t- even talked to the lawyer and he told me he's like nobody sees money after that so unless they yeah. make one for let's say they i have no idea what the numbers are but let's say they make a special and the whole thing costs fifty thousand dollars and they sell it for a million dollars you're gonna get right you're gonna get some serious back end but if they make a special for fifty thousand dollars and they sell it to CISO for $60,000, yeah. you're probably not going to see anything. Right. Like, there's just enough tr- costs of the crew and the travel and the advertising and whatever that you're just not going to see anything. I love talking uh, the boring comedy stuff. I really do. I, don't, I do too. Because I was always curious about it, and you can't, like back when I started, you couldn't just Google, like, no. what does this pay, or how do you do this, or what, like, and now you can just find them. I, if everyone talks about it, then you hear ways in or you hear people's paths and then you also see how different it is for everybody and i don't know if it's more frustrating or comforting but well either way either way you kind of you just get more of an idea of how things actually work yeah and i I think i mean it's useful you know it's useful information because you have to make decisions about you know you're dividing up all of your time right you you have to decide do i want to spend my time writing a new hour do i want to be going out to shows do I want to write another pilot? Yeah. Do I want to try to make videos? That takes a lot of time to make videos and post those consistently. Do I, I try to post a few a week and I do, you know, literally just one podcast episode a week with a promo captioned video plus two stand up captioned videos. That's that's hours of editing. Uh, uh, yeah. And then there's a Patreon that has bonus episodes and backlog episodes and bonus interviews. And you're like, I, I, there's there's out there's a probably at least one maybe two full like eight hour days a week that's just editing your own content that you're putting out there for free yeah it's uh yeah that's a lot of work in addition to then you're spending your time writing uh writing new stand-up and and i think it's different now i think i didn't think i don't think it used to be that way and i think right around that alternative comedy when people did start doing the multimedia stuff they did start putting a lot of effort into yeah non-stand-up types of things and then you know you don't really associate that time with this like new social media time Mm -mm. but you know prior to that stand-up was just stand-up like right and like you know it was like can you imagine just like i mean there's only stand-up yeah if i had if, if if i had hit like just how it used to work like if i had done 
Letterman five years into stand up and then they was like, Oh, Worldwide Pants wants to develop with you and then you write a show and sell it to CBS and you're like, I can't even that sounds so easy. Uh, no. I don't mean to like it's, I mean I know like literally that's probably like a Ray Romano kind of thing like he d- did it they liked him he developed a show and he's whatever I'm he probably worked his ass off on that show there's it's, it's not easy to write and of course whatever but holy shit it would have been so nice to have some things figured out <laughs> some life things figured out back then yeah and I think it because it used to be like there was only two late night shows and there were only like 20 comics that who were like really had a chance to uh, to like do that type of stuff and everybody else was just kind of more anonymous mm-hmm. um, back then but you know you always hear like uh, you know people still say it a lot like oh, this is the first thing I did today the first people I talked to today but it's like stand up is really going away from that w- to the point where you got to do a lot of work during the day dude I have I have some friends who have like Instagram accounts where it's like you know th- th- they have to they ha- there's videos and drawings and things and it's like they wake up at their work, they wake up at 6 a.m., work for hours, then go mm-hmm. to their day jobs because they're not making enough money and then doing stand up at night. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. You have to put, you have to put, that's the thing. You, because in addition to, oh, I do stand up at night, like you have to put a lot of content out to get people who are following and caring about what you're doing and buying your stuff. Yeah. You, and you have to do it all the time and be consistent with yeah. it. So did you make a conscious decision? Like, wh- was that, did that was that like a turning point at all when that when you when the when CISO went down and then they moved it to Amazon and then you kind of had that like lost year did you that's about tell yourself you're going to do something different or that is about yeah well what I so I thought the hour special was going to be like oh I do this and then I just tour forever like this is great like I'm gonna I'm gonna hit theater level I have an hour special like that's what happens when an hour special oh that is what used to happen yeah hour special yeah I I I was watching people on Netflix have their special on Netflix and then all of a sudden they're touring theaters and stuff and that did not happen and I had pretty much just moved to LA a year before and um. I think my agent left agents and I was like agentless for like about a year also. And it was just, it was really, what did I do during that time? It's actually really scary. I, I was scraping by and living off savings for like a solid year or two. And, um, did it get you down? Yeah. Oh, I got on anxiety medication and everything around that. Actually, right after the special was actually recorded, I got on anxiety medication. That's some, there's some serious lost years in there. I'm trying to think of what I did. I panicked at one point and thought I was going to run out of money completely. And I got certified to be a substitute teacher in Los Angeles. And I never did it. I actually, I I got certified. I went through the training and everything and I got my, my card, but I I actually never went into work because I didn't get to a point where Yeah, you were able to pull out of it before you. Yeah. Had to um, enact your backup plan. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was really, really slow. And right now, I'm at a point where, um, like, just even a, a you know, this weekend on the road takes care of takes care of rent and bills for the month. And mm-hmm. I got another one next month, and that takes care of rent and bills for the month. And uh, I, you know, like everybody else, I got my pilot that's about done, and hopefully we'll yeah. pitch this year. And I'm working with an animator. Um, on a second pilot that hopefully we'll get to pitch this year. And uh, I will, and very honestly, uh, I live with my girlfriend who is a TV writer who is killing it right now. Yeah, that's and so, nice, yeah. you know, we're basically a, we're a team. And so she's, she's carrying the financial weight 
uh, more than me right now. Yeah. So that, that's a very lucky position to be in. Yeah, definitely. So have you, you've been through the process of trying to sell pilots. Yeah. And what, what has that been like? Um, well, it's funny because you say like uh, when like Noah uh, was getting was really close and then they felt I've had I've had that a similar experience when it's like um, the person at the network, the executive is the one pushing for you and stuff. And they kind of move positions or switch to another network or something like that. What, what I've what, I, we've gotten really, really close to selling shows before. And what will happen is, yeah, something like that will happen. And you realize uh Sometimes it's it, it really it's frustrating because sometimes it's really just one executive that is pushing you along and right you, you need you really need someone you really need someone there who uh, is your championing for you is that the right word to use yes your champion um, I don't know I've gotten close a few times and how many have you written um, I have gone with I believe I've pitched three shows pretty mm-hmm. accurately and there's another couple shows that uh my managers were not into so we did not pitch. Uh scripts and and pitches have definitely gone way further along when you're pitching with executives and you you leave it open to them having some creative input too. I've definitely oh, noticed when I'm pitching if you go in and you're like, "No, we have the whole thing yeah. figured out. It's going to be exactly like this. Trust me, it's going to be awesome." Yeah. There, you know, if it's a good idea, it's a good idea and maybe they'll be on board, but I've definitely realized that when you go in and you're like, "This is what we want it to be." And then if they pitch, "Well, what if it was like this and this?" and you go, "Yeah, that's great." Like then you f- then they feel like uh, they're part of the creative process Definitely. as well, and obviously everyone's going to be more invested and more excited about it if they feel like they have some. Yeah, input. as soon as you put your own idea in it, then yeah. you're part of it. So the most fun I've had pitching is uh, me and a buddy were pitching a script, and the executive got excited and had an idea that we thought was a great idea too. And all of a sudden, it felt like this big collaborative thing, and it got it got a lot further than if we had just gone in and been like, "We're the creatives. Yeah. We know what we're doing." Because it's just it's it's just not as uh, it's not as fun for them. Did you ever think about trying to get a writing job? Yes, of course. Uh, that's the other thing about this. The script I'm writing right now is probably the biggest long shot for actually selling. Yeah. But I'm actually this one is the is one that I'm writing without a writing partner, writing completely on my own. Mm-hmm. And I got very good advice from I'll just I'll, I'll drop the name Jake Wiseman from uh, the yeah the corporate. corporate and stuff. And um, what a he fantastic me, show. I love it. Yeah. He gave me really great advice um, that was that was, uh, uh, y- you know, write Basically, to write a script, that's just the most chock full of jokes I can with great characters and great story and use it as a sample. Like if you can sell it yeah. down the road, great. But it should be a writing sample. And, uh, you know, if you have an undeniably funny script that gets passed around and this is also my girlfriend who's the tv writer has told me too she's gotten just so many jobs off one killer pilot that she's never it's never been sold it's never been no one's tried to develop it it just serves as a great writing sample that will get her writing jobs and so i'm trying to think of this script as that which is the first time i've ever done that i think that corporate is such a good example of a show that is packed with jokes yeah it is so dense there's so many jokes. There's so much good writing in it. Yeah. And uh, those guys ha- both have great distinctive voices. Yes. Um, especially Jake's like dark take on I everything. Love it. I love Jake's stand up too. Yeah. I, I, I think Jake's I think Jake's great. Me and Jake met each other. Uh, I was living in New York. He was living in L.A. Mm-hmm. And within 
within a week of each. I got accused of stealing this, which is insane when you hear it. I got uh, me and Jake within a week of each other both found cocaine on audience members. He okay. had a he had a he had a uh, a heckler that he brought on stage and like kind of wrestled with, and a bag of cocaine fell out of his pocket, and <laughs> okay. it went like viral. Okay. And then they took the vi- someone took the video down because you could like see the guy's face in it or whatever. Okay. And then about a week, and I had never seen the video. And literally a week later, I was in Atlanta doing the Laughing Skull, and I had a heckler, and he went to the bathroom, and I thought it'd be funny to put his coat on while he was in the bathroom, and I pulled a bag of cocaine out of his coat, and that went crazy viral on YouTube and uh, people were like, you stole this from Jake Wiseman. And I was like, I don't know who Jake Wiseman is. Like, what do you mean I stole it? And they're like, this is staged. You stole it. I'm like, watch the video. It's not, if it was staged, first of all, it would be, I would be being funny in it. I'm just like genuinely scared on stage. It's not like I handled it well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so everyone said that. And then maybe a year later, um, we were both doing something or other at just for laughs. And I saw him and I was like, Jake. And he looked at me and he immediately, I hadn't even met him yet. Just hugged me. Wow. And I was like, hey, man. I was like, hey, man, just so you know, like everyone was saying I see. He goes, I know. I know you didn't steal it. <laughs> hey, that's and we've been cool. friendly ever since. But wow. I, I see him very rarely now. He's a I don't see him. I don't see him out um, in L.A. too much. He must be busy, busy yeah. writing <laughs> the television show. Well, because it makes me think about you as a writer because you've written so much stand up. Yeah. How many you've put out? You put out three albums. Three albums that are completely different hours and then the hour special got released as an album that has a little bit of overlap too and i haven't and i have my new hour since then yeah so you have like four and a half hours yeah which is that's really a lot and i've gotten some i've gotten some fun you know punch up writing gigs Mm -hmm. and um i'll get a little writing gig here and there but i've never been like staffed on a show before have you have you tried to get writing jobs um I've tried to get like those like punch up jobs and stuff, and I've, I've gotten stuff like that. But they've been mostly through friends. Like you never go, tried to like be a late night writer or write. For oh, TV I've show? submitted a lot of late night sets, okay. and the feedback I got from like my managers and stuff was like, "This is great." And then I never get an interview. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but um, but that's why I'm focusing now so hard on this pilot that is um. Literally just finished a draft like this week, and my girlfriend who has a master's degree in screenwriting is um, oh that's helpful is helping me with. Yeah, you know, I mean, nice. she's not writing it for me, but she's helping. No, me but with, it's. I mean, she's I mean, all of those things that the advice that Jake gives you and the advice that yeah. she gives you is is so valuable. It's just like advice that a, an experienced stand-up comedian would give you. Yeah. It, it, you can't learn it without doing it. Right. You know, there's so many things about all of this stuff that you have no idea. You think that you you're just can be good at stand up, but And I hit have the to... thing I hit my stand up goal. My ultimate comedy stand up goal. I didn't know the late night spots in Montreal when I first started, they didn't mean anything to me. I wanted a Comedy Central half hour special. That's what I watched. Right. And within six or seven years of doing stand up, I did it and then after taxes and agent fee, everything, I was like, well, great. So that gets me through the next two months. Yeah. And now what? And uh, yeah, I just for some reason, I thought once you hit Comedy Central half hour, you could buy a house and tour like that for the rest of your mm-hmm. life. And so, yeah, now I need to now I guess I guess I need to write a script now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely tried to hit it from or from get the or you got to get the podcast going. Dude, I love doing my podcast so much and Your it's brand new and I hope talk. it but talk. And this is about toilet humor. It's about butt stuff. It's uh, any anything, anything that's butt related. Anything butt related. Okay. It's a lot of a lot Do you of have people. Guests? Yeah, I have guests. Okay. 
uh, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of poop your pants stories. Those okay. are always fun. Sure. But then um, a lot of people talk about things they've put in or got stuck in their butts. That's okay. fun. A lot of traveling around and like I just had a, a comedian who traveled to Shanghai talking about the the little holes in the ground she had to poop in and stuff. We okay. had a. Uh, well, uh, one time, have you ever had Anthony DeVito here before? Sure, I course. had him. This podcast I was doing like six or seven years ago, and then stopped, and then just brought it back in the last couple of months. But Anthony DeVito is a guy I haven't seen him forever. I love that guy. I hope he's doing great. I hope I see him in New York when I'm there next week. But um, he, uh, he was. We asked him to do, it and he's like, I got nothing. I got nothing to talk about. And I'm like, then that's why I want you on because you do. I know yeah, you yeah. do. And he came on. And it turned out he's a hairy Italian man with a really hairy ass. Oh, and yeah. we're talking about the problems with that. He and talks was, about being hairy on stage. Maybe, maybe I'm the re- maybe I got that going for him. No, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. But um, I'll take credit for all of Anthony DeVito's hairy jokes. Do you have and you have a Patreon set up for that? I do. It's new and it's sad how few people are on it. <laughs> yeah, but you guys start somewhere though, dude. So the highest tier is uh, $22. Everything's in twos because it's poop is number two, whatever. Oh, right. Makes and sense. And for $22, you can be the president of the United States. And okay. I got one this week. I have a new president, a new $22 Patreon. He's a, and I, I, you know, you message him because for 22 bucks, I say, I'll plug whatever you want. On I'll the talk podcast. to you on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so I emailed him. I was like, thanks, man. You're the first $22 one, whatever you want to plug. I'm happy to do it. And he wrote back, he goes, Man, I don't want to plug anything. I just want to support. And I was like, that is incredible. Yeah, pretty There's nice. There's a dude out there who wants to who wants to support my butt podcast monetarily. It's beautiful. So you also started doing uh some TikTok? I just signed up for TikTok. I'm trying to be okay. So I'm just posting stand-up videos and getting out right now. That's what I'm doing. And how are they only 15 seconds? No, you can do up to a minute. Okay. So I've been posting like minute stand-up clips, the same ones I post on Instagram, just okay. kind of seeing how they do. Uh-huh. And they're doing pretty well. They'll get tens or hundreds of thousands of views, uh-huh. and you'll get a bunch of followers. And I was surprised, but I tried it. But if I just stay on it and like look at the videos recommended for me, if you feel like a... I feel like a old guy like right. spying on like a 16-year-old girl's sleepover or something. Like it's it's inappropriate for me to be watching, I think. So, <laughs> I get in, I get out. But I, I don't know. I I really enjoyed Vine. I thought it was fun to make I've these seen, short little videos. So maybe I'll think of something to put in there. I only see TikTok videos when people retweet them. Yeah. Um so I only see them on Twitter. But I see lots of funny TikTok videos, dude. Some of the, and some of them are like kids who are not performers and yeah. they're hilarious. Yeah, but they're funny. Yeah, which is crazy because it used to be the comedians put out the comedy content, and now it's like, well, those kids like don't even know if they're going to be comedians yet. No, they're still in high school. Dude, like, there's like some dude in Texas who works at a gas station that's just like fucking with customers. I'm right. making this up. I don't know if they're specific, but like stuff like that. Right, right. And they blow up, and I'm sure some advertiser is going to be like, "Hey, man, throw some Starburst in there, and we'll give you five thousand dollars, and they're going to make a living." If it, I mean, yeah. if it's a if it's a platform that people like using and can find funny stuff on it, I would expect that it's going to expand in terms of who's on there. Yeah. And, you know, that eventually maybe that creepy feeling will go away as yeah. some more old people. But that's uh, a, it'll, uh, eventually the old people will find it and then they're, they're going to have to start something new. Yeah. Then, then they'll have to do another Facebook weird... used to be for college kids. Yeah. And. Now I'm just blocking my aunts and stuff. Yeah, now it's for uh, grandmas and aunts. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you said that you, you did have some success from in gaining followers from, from doing that. 
on TikTok. Well, you followers on, on but, but yeah, yeah, on the other like it led to followers on other platforms. Yeah, I I started doing those captioned videos on Instagram. It's nothing huge. You see comedians out there with yeah. a zillion followers, but like I had like two thousand followers, and I was like, you know, I've been on Instagram for like five years. I've toured like crazy. Right. Um, why are, do I not have? I want fans. I don't. Right. I don't want to. Maybe I don't need to post a picture of the Capitol building when I'm in D.C. or what. Like maybe right. I need to do something else. Right. And so I started doing the caption videos, and within, I mean, I just hit the algorithm on a few of them, and it went from like two thousand to ten thousand in a few months, and like that's a that's that's eight thousand new people that like me because of my stand-up. Yeah. So that's and that's then they great. all feed into each other. It gives you a chance to maybe get them interested in the podcast yep and then you know hopefully come out when you're in town yeah and and it's happened a few times now you go everywhere and there's a handful of people that are like i watched your i watched your instagram videos mm-hmm. or it's actually so far you know the podcast hasn't it's brand brand new so yeah. whatever but yeah for sure the instagram videos people are people are watching those and and coming out it's great was this informative i think it's very informative okay i think uh yeah, I think it's great to hear about um, to hear about these experiences because I just, the they're hard. They're so hard, and uh, there there's a lot to navigate. And I think it's helpful to have the information going into it so that you know you don't get devastated by yeah by the setbacks, and you're ready to experience them and and push through them because it's inevitable. Like you're gonna you're gonna take some hits. Yeah, and you're going to take hits like after you think you're done taking hits. You do start getting in your head. You're like, I thought I paid my dues. Like I've already right. I already did this. Like I already I already had to go through open mics. I already had to be I already I don't, I don't know. There's there's a, a million things that you'll find yourself back doing again that you didn't think you're going to be doing. Well, how do you feel now? How do you feel having this career? Um I am more obsessed with stand up now than I was when I started. Uh-huh. Like completely in love with it still love writing material love going on the road i'm like excited about uh the new like the new scripts and i'm excited like i'm I'm just excited when there's still possibilities when when there's some stuff on the calendar down the road and when there's a script that's like getting to the point where I'm getting ready to send it off and stuff. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm hopeful and excited about projects right now. The most down I've ever been is when, uh, I'm not working on anything and there's yeah. no road dates coming up. And right. it's like, who's going to no, Cause no one's going to just call you and, when you're and be just like dwelling on things yeah. instead of having something to actively yeah. work toward. So, you know, you go up and down with the anxiety and the depression stuff. And, um, and for me, uh, working my way out of it is the only way I feel better. And uh, like I said, it is right now. This is this is the luckiest I've ever been being with a partner who is financially stable. Yeah. And we're like p- partners. So that that's a uh, that's that's a really really nice position to be in because it's uh um between like I'm between the comfortable amount of uh uh steady income yeah that's the you know it's not that's the thing about about the job is it's not like you don't have a salary like it's just chunks of money that are coming in and there's times where there's gaps 
Yeah. So you got to fill them in. And at the end of the year, it always ends up being fine. I look, I do the taxes. I, at the end of the year, I look and I go, I did fine this year. Yeah, but it you was, don't, it's just, you don't have the certainty. You just yeah. don't know for sure. It's like, it's probably going to be fine. 95% chance. Yeah. It's going to be fine. 5% chance might have some problems. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's tough, but I think, uh, you know, you seem, I'm ha- I'm happy that you're feeling upbeat. Ah, Your I new hour seems now. good. Selexa, you guys got to get on this. Uh, <laughs> now it's this, I don't know. I love that. I love that uh, the the Gary Goldman's and everyone's like, oh, we're talking about the mental health now. I'm like, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I think it's great. I've, I think a bunch of us have been talking about it for a while, but I'm right. glad, and he has been for a while too. I'm, I'm glad one hit big where uh, uh, maybe more people yeah, go I to mean, comedy. Yeah, I Gether put that special out too. Who did? Chris Gethard. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So, he was my uh, improv teacher levels yeah. three, four, and five at UCB. I love Chris Gethard. So two, that's two big specials Yeah, um, that came out. So it's definitely, yeah, it, it's great that people are talking about it. It's more interesting. I mean, we don't have to like hear any more jokes about travel and uh yeah you know the difference between men and women and stuff like it's that it's so funny because literally like something happened on the plane on the way here <laughs> yeah. and i was like oh God. and i'm like no nah, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't i you know whatever it, you got an airplane joke and it's hilarious I, I i'm i'm up for hearing it but yeah sure yeah not to say there can't be funny jokes yeah. on those topics but but men and women are different I mean, you can't get away from it <laughs> it's too central to life but still but you you understand what i'm saying i completely well, dude, uh, best of luck with everything. Thank you. And uh, everybody can check out Butt Talk and uh, follow you on uh, Instagram. Check out some videos. Yeah. Maybe get on TikTok. Get see. on TikTok. No, I don't know. If you're young, I don't know. Adam D. Newman on the, the tick and the Instagram. Great, man. <laughs> TikTok's fucking weird, man. I don't know. Do I hope? I hope. Maybe I hope it fails. Yeah, but maybe it will. Maybe everybody will get into it, and then you'll be uh, one of the early movers. Yeah. All right, guys. See you on TikTok. Thanks, man. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.